Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Stephen Roman. He's the CEO of Global Atomic, one of the more advanced uranium juniors at the moment. Category of one, they like to describe themselves as being. They've raised 12.5 million bucks recently. We talk about what they're going to be doing with it and also why they've taken on a fuel buyer. Sounds like they want to cozy up to some of those utility companies. Um, we look to the future and timing of when they can get into production and his thoughts on some of the uh, fun and games in the marketplace with uh, Uranium Juniors buying pounds in the market. Well, our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, you should go to cruxinvestor.com forward slash club where we discuss them. And you can also find detailed company reports and analysis there. We've got summaries of other interviews that we've done. In fact, all of our interviews, just to save you some time because we know you're busy. We've got commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including our weekly Uranium show. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe, friendly environment, free from trolling, judgment and abuse. Hope you think that sounds nice because it is. Go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Stephen, how are you, sir? Hey, Matthew, I'm great. Things are uh, finally warming up here in, in Canada and uh, spring has arrived. So uh, it's nice to get out of the 20 below zero weather and now today it's actually supposed to be plus 20 if you can believe it very nice so uh yeah very nice physically things and are well physically and financially by the looks of the markets for uh, uranium at the moment you've had a nice run up you happy you know what i i think uh finally some investors are starting to realize uh, the value of our company um you know clearly in the past People were valuing us on our zinc asset and our zinc cash flow. Uh, finally, with a turn in the uranium market, it looks like there's some investors thinking that perhaps we have a good uranium project as well. So, you know, I think if you look at our project and uh, compare it with others and the, the, the value of a pound in the ground and how that's uh, viewed with other companies, uh, we are still undervalued. Uh, we're, we're probably trading at, you know, between a dollar and a dollar fifty a pound in the ground right now, whereas a lot of companies uh, with projects that are far less advanced than ours are in the three to five dollar range. So I think there's a lot of upside here yet, um, and of course, as we move this project forward, get our feasibility done, and start building. Uh, you know, I think the value will just continue to to increase. But it's interesting what you say there, and I, we we will get into the company proper in a second. So it was it was, it was more a sort of a, a hello and how are you sort of part of the conversation. But whilst we're on it, is I saw a Cormac report recently, which was and you know Cormac and institutions like Morgan Stanley are starting to issue coverage in in a serious way, and I, I get that maybe there's. Some of the analysts are new to this, but the Cormac guy was using eight pounds, eight eight dollars per pound in the ground. That's that's quite a chunky number compared to where you're at. Eight? Uh, you mean eight dollars a pound in the ground? Yeah. Yeah. yeah for for which companies? Um, I think that report was specifically for was it was it Energy Fuels I was looking at specifically. I'm not quite sure. I don't have. I know the Cormark report. Uh, they just came out and started picking up coverage on Global Atomic. So that's 
great news. Uh, they were involved in our recent financing as well. Um, and of course, they had a whole range of uranium companies there. They had a chart in their report and, and we were way down at the bottom with our valuation compared to others. And of course, the, the big guys, Kazadam, Prom, Cameco, uh, they're way up there with, you know, probably 10 pounds, uh, $10 a pound in the ground. But, you know, the, the, the real junior developers are down at, you know, one or two. Uh, I think we're past that now, uh, having f uh, reached to full permitting and uh, completing our, our final engineering. So, you know, we, we should move up on that scale. Well, like 235 is not too shabby, uh, really. Um, we, should, we should talk about what you've been up to since um, we, we last spoke, which we will do in a second. But I just want to talk about some of the macro things which are going on out, out there, get your view. You, you've been in the uranium game a long time. Um, we've seen um, Denison, UEC and Boss raise money to go and buy pounds, sweep up, soak up uh, pounds uh, in the market. And I'm not quite sure either whether it's an investment basis or in the hope of trying to get utilities to move a little bit quicker than they are? What was your take of it? You know what, I guess the bottom line take is that uh, their pounds are more expensive to produce than what they can buy them for right now in the market. Uh, they also wanna leverage those pounds because of course they don't know when they'll be able to get into production. They think the uranium price is moving higher, so why not? have a few pounds of inventory that they can use as an asset on a financing to build their mine. Us, on the other hand, uh, the, the current price is, is double what our production cost is, so it makes absolutely no sense for Global Atomic to be buying pounds. We can produce them much cheaper uh, with our own production. So, you know, I, I just view this as, as something that a few companies are doing that that feel that their their purchases of pounds uh, are going to help them in the future for financing. So, so they're, they're playing the arbitrage game of what they can buy it at today and what they might be able to sell it at in, in the near near future. Exactly. I'm exactly. I'm interested in what you say. So that's an arbitrage investment basis, or it allows gives people permission to have conversations with utilities earlier than they would or they don't believe they're going to get into production themselves anytime soon. And if they are, it's not going to be at a price that um, they're going to be able to sell to the market economically at. One of all of the above. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, one or all of the above. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, raising money from investors and then turning around and buying a whole bunch of pounds. I mean, uh, we have a 250 million pound deposit right now with a very uh, uh, high grade and low low operating costs. So uh, for us, that would be a silly thing to do. Because you think you will definitely get into production? Oh, I, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, we're moving ahead. We've got field work going on now. We've got uh, heavy machinery on our site, digging pits uh, and testing ground conditions for the locating of the plant, the tailings, the town site. All that's ongoing right now. We're doing geotech drilling to uh, finalize our, our mine plan currently. And, uh, you know, the feasibility is on track to be completed by the end of Q3. 
So, you know, uh, this thing, we should be actually there moving dirt, uh, building the town site and the mine infrastructure by Q1 of 2022. So you've raised some money recently. A lot of uranium companies have raised money recently, and it seems quite easily. Was it easy? Uh, yes, it was uh, definitely uh, not uh, a big struggle to raise some money in this market, uh, which is great. Uranium finally seems to have turned the corner and uh, we were well oversold. Uh, of course, uh, the, the syndicate had a, a top of uh, 10 million with an over uh, allotment provision that bumped us up to 12 and a half that was fully subscribed uh, in the first day. Okay. So, um, you know, it just provided us with additional, uh, capital on the balance sheet. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, let's say, uh, discussion on, uh, doing a lower price financing. We said, no, we're, we're not interested in financing at a lower price. So, you know, we thought $2, uh, was a great price based on the fact that the previous one was at 60 cents. So all of our investors, I believe that were in on the 60 cent round, they supported us on the $2 round. So that, that just shows the commitment to the company and you know the fact that uh, they really believe in this project. You know, looking at the price that some of the Aussie companies have raised that, you know, up to 25%, 12.5% down to 25% type discounts needed to kind of get, the, get it over the line there. So what were the terms of yours again? Uh, it, was a, it was a $2 unit with a warrant at $3. And we basically did it at, a, at about a 3 or 4% discount to what it was trading at. I think we were trading at 210 or 215 at the time. Uh, so a, a very small discount. Okay. So do you think that's like the North American is more North America is more confident in the uranium story, or is it just the fact there aren't that many players, and perhaps some of the Aussies were in a in a different position to you? I mean, wh wh why why do you think there's that, that disparity in terms of the discounting component applied? Well, that's a good question. I, I really think that uh, people think that uh, since we have a fully permitted project the risk is much, much less on our project. And so they're willing to pay uh, almost a no, no discount. So, you know, that, that's what I would say. I mean, uh, we, we've eliminated a lot of risk on this project. Right, when we've spoken in the past, you, you talked about no real desire to go and raise capital. You know, you thought you might be able to kind of muddle through as it were. So why, why go and raise this amount of money? What are you gonna do with it? Well, first of all, I don't think I would have ever say that we'd muddle through it um, because we do have a cash flowing asset and uh, we're, we're one of the few junior developers that has a cash flowing asset. Zinc, by the way, is at $1.30 a pound right now. But we're running at capacity in Turkey. So, no, we were not muddlers, um, but uh, you know what, uh, to strengthen the cash on our balance sheet to allow us to start a couple of other programs at site, which includes all of this geotechnical work, the, the pitting with the excavators. Uh, we're going to be announcing some other uh, projects on site here uh, in the coming months. So, you know what, we just wanted to expedite the whole program and uh, accelerate uh, the development of the project. So 
But, but tell us, tell me more about what you what you're doing because obviously Commonac is closing down, literally in the process of closing down over the next few weeks. It's shut and gone. There's a lot of infrastructure. There are roads. There's there's all sorts of infrastructure which you could take advantage of. Where are you in discussions with Irane? Uh Well, Irana, of course, we have that MOU uh, that we signed with them uh, to truck ore from DASA to their uh, Somer plant. So we're still in discussions with that. Uh, we've just finished a, a, a pilot plant study uh, that uh, we announced recently. It was a program that was started last summer and uh, we had very good results, much better than uh, what we expected in our PEA document we released last May. So at the moment, um, Arano uh, would like to also test some samples at their Somer plant to make sure that, uh, you know, basically they can process it there. We don't see any issues, but, you know, it's a matter of uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Uh, you know, obviously what we're doing right now is, is we're moving ahead to have a standalone project. So we view a potential shipment of ore as a value opportunity. We want to uh, build a standalone operation with our own plant. And, uh, but we, you know, we like to keep all of these uh, options open to us. Right. So that, that is still in the works. Okay. So how do you move from PA, PEA last March through to production? You've got a bunch of studies. You've got to work your way through. You've got, to, you've got enough capital to get through to, to where? Deliver a PFS? Deliver a feasibility study? Okay. So on the, on the PFS side, the pre-feasibility study, what we've done uh, between 2018 and then, of course, a 2020 PEA, we did, a, we did a PEA in 2018 as well. That, that took into account some different mining options, including open pitting. Uh, we've done a number of other trade-off studies uh, between the, the May project and where we are today. So this is effectively uh, is, is a PFS a level. Uh, so we're moving right into a definitive feasibility study now, which should be done in Q, Q3, by the end of Q3. And then, uh, you know, we have to put a project financing together and, and move into construction phase. Right. So given the price of zinc and given you're running at full capacity at, um, at, uh, in, in Turkey, when do you start having conversations about use, leveraging that annuity stream of cash, which you're going to, you know, I, I assume soon to be start being paid out on? Um, and is that the way you're going to finance this project? Uh, the equity portion of this, the, the debt portion of this? I mean, how, how are you looking at it? Well, we're, we're looking at various options, Matt. So, uh, you know, obviously the cash flow from the zinc uh, could help us leverage uh, some sort of a financing uh, so we can reduce any kind of equity dilution. You know, the, uh, the typical bankers are going to want uh, 25 or 30 percent equity. Uh, we may be able to do that with quasi equity. Uh, we are in discussions with a number of groups now on financing the, the project. So, you know, we, we have uh, probably, I would say, over the next three months, we would have more clarity to the market how this is going to happen. But I can't really talk about all of the initiatives currently. Okay. And I look at Turkey at the moment. Turkey's been sort of 
bit, bit hit and miss politically with, with some of the decisions being made by Mr. Erdogan, uh, most recently of which is removing the, their world banker. Uh, what's, what's your take on this? Is it business as usual? Or is this just norm for working in Turkey? How do you view it? Well, right now, of course, it hasn't affected our business at all. So, you know, we're, we're running very well there. Of course, uh, all of our local costs are in Turkish lira. Uh, we get paid in U.S. dollars because all of our concentrates are shipped out of Turkey to Europe. Um, you know, obviously, the Turkish lira has taken a hit, which, you know, on the accounting, uh, it shows as a foreign exchange loss, but effectively all of our revenues in U.S. dollars. So it's an accounting entry based on IFRS principles, but uh, you know we're making money at that project. We expect to have all the the capex, uh, effectively the, the the money we spent on the new plant paid out this year. Okay. So then dividends will start flowing to the company. Uh, currently, we get uh, management fees and sales commissions every month. But in Turkey, so the way it works there is, is once a year, you declare a dividend, the capital or the cash that you make accumulates during that year, and then you get it in one payment uh, after an AGM. Right. So effectively, cash flow that would be free cash flow for us uh, made in 2022 would be paid to us in April of 2023. So it's always one year in arrears. Okay. You've recently signed a marketing agreement with FuelLink, which tells me yes. you think that equities, equity, uh, utilities are going to want to be talking to you soon, or you're going to want to be talking to them. So what, is that right? That's absolutely right. Okay. We, we, we are talking to utilities right now. And the utilities are interested in Global Atomic right now. So uh, FuelLink, who uh, is run by a fellow named Bahi Sabalingam, uh, he is a very experienced uh, uranium uh, marketer, marketing man. Um, he, he used to be with Trade Tech most recently, but uh, his big experience comes with Rio Tinto. Uh, he worked with Rio Tinto for years and he was selling uh, up to 10 million pounds a year out of their Rossing operation. Um, and, you know, he's, he's very well plugged in. He knows all the utilities. We're developing a strategy currently, uh, but uh, discussions are underway with utilities as we speak. So does... Obviously, you've got a plan for a kind of phase one and a phase two in terms of get, you know, getting at a higher grade flank zone, getting the dollars flowing, and then that funding the kind of underground component or potentially the underground component um, further down. Do the conversations with the utilities have any bearing on, on those plans? I.e., if FuelLink can you know, introduce you to, uh, and, and have conversations on your behalf, say, these guys will get into production, I've got high degree of confidence, and they'll have to take a view on that, or you'll have to hit certain hurdles or milestones along the way. Do they, them, what's the likelihood of them turning around and saying, well, we'd like you to be producing more? Can they put that 
influence to bear? Because you've started off small and you're going to build it up, right? But with long-term contracts, money gets a bit cheaper and you can do more. So what's the thing? How do you, how do you, how do you have that conversation with yourselves internally? Well, I, I think uh, what, what the market needs to understand is, uh, and, and investors, frankly, is that uh, right now there's really Kez Adam from Cameco and uh, um, Orano that uh, have the, the bulk of the market. I, mm. I think uh, conversations that we've had with utilities to date indicate that they would like to see some some new entrants into the market. So we also feel that if we can sign some offtake agreements with uh, a number of utilities, obviously, just as you mentioned, you're going to get much better financing terms and uh, money will be more available because you'll you'll obviously have sales right off the bat. So you know, we, we're not going to build the project unless we have sales. So right now it's a, it's a prime, uh, I would say, in, incentive for us is to get out there and uh, educate the buyers on the project and get some sales locked in. Okay, you've been around the block. I said that at the start, you've been around the block. When you're looking at the uranium market now, maybe you want to hark back to the last cycle pre-Fukushima 2011, you saw a lot of new entrants coming to the marketplace like they are now. Do you feel that there's a lot of noise out there? Do you, do you look at these uranium companies and go, yeah, you, you will all definitely get into production. Don't worry about it. Um, if nuclear fuel bars, they, there's enough supply coming down the line. Or can, can you, as a CEO, look around and say, I know that there are companies there who are making a lot of noise. He will, one, either never get into production or two, it'll be a long time before it comes. I mean, honest, honestly, we, I, I, speak to, I speak to the gold guys and the lithium guys um, the same way. And you, you guys always know who is genuine and who's not. What are you seeing out there in the uranium space? Well, there's, uh, of course, um, projects that are reasonable um, and projects that are great uh, and projects that are not so good. So right now, of course, uh, a lot of uranium companies have moved up because the sentiment is better in the uranium space. But uh, I would say realistically, maybe 25 or 30 percent of them are going to get into production at some point. I, I think that's, of course, dependent on the uranium price. And a, a lot of companies uh, need a much higher price than we do because we have the grade and we have our permits. So, you know, grade is very important. Uh, cost to produce is very important. And of course, the permitting is very important. So right now, uh, there's some good assets out there, but I think it'll be a long time before they get permitted. Um, we've already passed that hurdle. And so, you know, I, I don't like to uh, pass any kind of disparaging remarks on anybody else out there in the market because uh, I've you know, had my share of poor projects in the past, and I know it's tough. And of course, you're waiting on better conditions and, and hoping that uh, you make the grade, so to speak. So, you know, I, I, um, I think that, uh, as I said, 25 to 30% are probably 
viable. Uh, the rest, probably not. Don't you think it's time to go list on the NYSE? <laughs> Too early for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe once we're in production, we'll do that. Okay. Okay, fair point. Stephen, as always, wonderful to catch up with you. Sounds like it's going gangbusters there. Um, what, what, what's the thing we're looking at for this year? Obviously, you're talking about the, you know, the, the PFS is really a feasibility level. So what's the timing on all no, of this? It's, it's, an, it's an FS. It's a DFS, Matthew, not a PFS. I know you're so skipping a stage. A no, I know, but I'm saying you're skipping a stage. You're, I thought you said to me, you, you... no, we're, we didn't skip a stage. We we actually did a lot of those trade-offs that that were effectively a, a PFS. So we 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 eliminated all of the the uh, the different scenarios that didn't work for us, and we've zeroed in on the final scenario, which is a high-grade underground mine at the flank zone. And of course, you mentioned before, could you scale this up? Yes, if the, if the demand is there, we could definitely scale it up. We chose a thousand tons per day and producing about four and a half million pounds a year because we felt as a, as a new entrant to the market, it's, it's the amount of uranium that we would be able to sell. Now that makes this an extremely viable and profitable project. Uh, but, you know, if the demand is there for 6 million pounds a year or 8 million pounds a year, we can ramp this up to that level. So I think people need to understand that. At the right price. Yeah, no. Well, even at today's price. I mean, uh, we, as far as we're concerned, we don't need a higher price. We're moving ahead. Okay, brilliant. Stephen, thank you so much. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, okay? Thank you, Matthew. Good to speak to you. All the best. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.